Welcome to this episode of the Future Champions Podcast. My name is Stuart Taylor and this week I have Sean Nickel who is doing his segment, Open Mic with Sean Nickel. Sean, how are you going tonight? Hey Stuart, very well, very well. How are you? I'm actually speaking to a Brisbane Raw 2022 award recipient and I happen to be the same. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think about that. There you go. Two award winners, one call, one pod. What award did you get this week? I got the I got club person of the year uh, alongside the great uh, Dimi Mavrikakis, our kit manager. People say Dimi's the real one that that runs the club, you know, and they're not far from the truth. He does he does chip in with a lot of um, a lot of output. So no, it was good. It was really nice to be yeah named um, next to Dimi, especially everyone's had a tough year. So I think, like I said, in across socials, I think everyone's pretty deserving. No, it was it was just nice to sort of be recognised. I guess so. Yeah. It is a case that you are passionate about Brisbane Raw, you love football, and you love to see football grow in Australia. So to get this recognition, it's got to be special. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, I do like to see the game grow. And I can see many sort of areas where it's sort of failing and sort of declining. Um, I see opportunity areas as well. So it's it's a two-way street in terms of, um, it's not all doom and gloom. Um, we just got to keep working hard and, and we need to keep grabbing the low-hanging fruit as, as they say, and just really try and find out areas where football has potential to grow. And I think we're pretty close as we'll, we'll get into it. We'll, we'll touch base on heaps of stuff. This is an opportunity for you just to say it how it is, to talk about anything that's on your mind, and tonight Australian football is on your mind. Uh, Australian football is on my mind every second of the day, I think. So there's always, yeah, oh, look, we're, we're, we're in talks with APL daily on what's working, what's not working strategies being put forward, proposals, um, ideas, how can we make this idea work? Does it, is it going to cost much? Will it cost too much? Will it not cost, you know, do we need more money for this area and resource and all that sort of stuff? million, yeah, facets cross through, you know, um, all administrators' minds every single day from club to, to APL on, on how the game's going and how it can be better. And I think we're pretty close in knowing what the issues are and where the issues lie. But there are, I think, more can be said publicly. I think there's some instances where we can open it up to the fan base and the fan base have some great ideas as well. Like it's not a closed ship. It, in my mind, the, the fans are the product as well as the, the administrators putting the, the product together. So, which is, uh, yeah, reminds me, I'm actually getting a, a club survey out later, hopefully tomorrow, maybe Monday, Tuesday. So, um, yeah, that'll be a good little opportunity for all real fans to pitch in. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where we've got to really listen to the fan base and connect. Tonight, I'm interested in hearing your view. What is the number one problem and the challenges that Australian football is currently facing? Sure. And I'll just start this off by saying, for lack of a better phrase, I am in the trenches and, and I can see where the issues are. Um, I can see how and why. And, and it, it, some people come to me and say, oh, you just got to advertise more. You got to advertise more. It's not that. It's really not that. For me, the, the number one issue is our broadcast. I, I see that being an issue because the A-League has been on a steady decline since 2017, 18. Uh, before that, we had the broadcast together with Fox Sports, with the Premier League uh, and the Champions League. We're both on, all on Fox Sports. We had that one singular entity pushing football out to, to the masses. And that was, that was a solidifying sort of um, entity whereby it was the, the football hub. We had a football hub. We had a centralised hub where everyone knew where football in Australia lived, and that was on Fox Sports. Um, a little bit was on SBS as well, which was great. Free free air TV is massive, but as with all sports, there has to be an element of pay TV to it as well. That's just what pays the bills. 
you know, the, the Premier League got taken away from Fox Sports in 2016 purely by bidding rights. So Optus Sports seen more value in it and it was taken away. Since then, we've seen a steady decline. The A-League year on year has declined slowly but surely. Still been on Fox Sports, but by taking away the Premier League, it's segmented the market in that people are going to consume football on Optus Sport more than they're caring about Fox Sports, which is still got the A-League. So, you know, back from, say, 2009 to 2014, say, that's probably the A-League's golden years at the moment. Golden years in terms of everyone was engaged, everyone who followed the the EPL, everyone who followed the Champions League, Bundesliga, La Liga, they were also engaged with the A-League because the A-League was playing, say, a Saturday night, it was Saturday night football. You had the A-League playing at 7 p.m. and then you had the the Premier League starting at 9, Liverpool being Man United at 9 p.m. And then Tottenham v Everton, for example, it's at 12, 12 p.m. At 12 a.m., sorry, so midnight. So you've got this, you've got this Saturday night of, of packed content on, on Fox Sports where people are implicitly engaging with the A-League knowing that there's Premier League on later. So it was, it was a bit like a pre-drinks. You got pre-drinks, then you go on to the real party later on, right? It's more exciting. In my mind, taking that away has just been a, a shot in the, in the foot for football in Australia. And it goes beyond that, doesn't it? Because if you actually break it down into its parts and you say, well, football is the product, there's so many different types of football. But even if we just said the English Premier League at the moment, I can watch, and I'm a Liverpool fan, I'll say that out front, I love, I love Liverpool and I love Celtic and I love Brisbane Raw. They're my, they're my teams. If I'm trying to watch Liverpool, I have to watch it on Optus. Unless they're playing in the Champions League, then I've got to watch them on Stan. Unless they're playing in the FA Cup, then I've got to watch it on KO. FA Cup's on Paramount Plus now. Yeah, I get so confused now that it takes me about half an hour to work out where the game is on. And I have access to all these and it's causing me grief. Imagine being a, a normal consumer of football, somebody who just likes watching a bit of football you're not going to get a subscription to Optus. You're not going to get a subscription to Paramount and Stan and KO and, and Celtic TV for me. You're probably just going to get Netflix and watch a movie. And that's the danger of, of, of this whole issue for me is that we think we're competing with the English Premier League. It isn't football against football. It's other content against other content. And the harder you make it to watch and to be engaged – the less likely people are to be engaged. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it's a hard one because it's there's competing market forces in that the the tenders for these for the content they're all competing against each other. But that competition for being the tender of X Y Z leagues is actually having an adverse effect on the market as a whole. So there's a there's a pull versus push between you know what's good for the game and then what's good for uh, what's good for business and business is right right now not good for the game in that Optus Sport have claimed the Premier League and Paramount Plus have claimed the A-League. Um, Stan Sports has claimed the, the Champions League. So we've got three, we've got a completely segmented market between three different, three different platforms uh, and no one can keep up with the changes. So we're not, we're not being customer centric and it's no one's fault. That's the problem. And, and it's probably just a case of, I'm thinking on top of my head here, solution wise, but does the APL engage with, with even with government and say, look, this is what's happening. Do we, to bring everything together for the good of the game, do we take control of, of XYZ products to bring it under the one hub? Because that before was what was ex- making football sustainable in this country and, and fans were turning up to A-League games. We had 15,000, 20,000 to a game. Now we're, the average in the league this season is 5,000. Broadcast has an adverse effect on 
attendance in that it's not reaching our fans, it's not engaging our fans, if it's not engaging them, then they're going to fall out of interest. It's a great big domino effect at the end of the day. We did joke before we started that the title of this episode should be the last one out, turn off the lights. Is that what we're looking at if we don't get this right? Big time, big time, because at the moment it's a case of, I hate to say survival, but the A-League needs to survive. And if it's going to survive, then we've only got a few years left of going the way we are for us to not be able to get it right. And it's going to take more than... It's going to take more than broadcast. Broadcast for me is top of the tree in terms of the the, the main issue that is really prohibiting our sport, prohibiting our our reach and engagement in in the sport. So if we can get that right, you know, it's been difficult after COVID, but if we can get that right over the next season, we should really try and or really bounce back, hopefully, incrementally. It'll take some time, but there there needs to be some ambition as well from the owners of the clubs, Um, ambition from the owners, needs to be ambitious from the league, government as well. I think that that's obviously advantageous. We've got the Olympics coming up so and the Women's World Cup for that matter. So there needs to be some kind of response collectively for us to turn this tide around. There's a book written by James Kerr and he talks about the culture of the New Zealand rugby union team and they were world champions for so long, looking at their culture. And one of the things that he talks about, and it's a theme within the book, is when you are on top of your game, change your game and you mentioned that the A-League had some golden years earlier on before the decline that started to happen when the market got segmented. Is that a case of a missed opportunity where we were on top of our game and we potentially should have changed our game? Yeah, I think so. I think so. We were smooth sailing. Yeah, from, yeah, like I said, 2009 to 2014, 15. Being a football consumer myself and, and you as well, sure. For me back then in those years, it was a case of, oh, look at the A-League. It's actually really grown into something. You know, it started in 2005 and it sort of started a bit iffy. And 2009 to 14 for me was like, okay, cool. This this is actually a very serious league in, in the world. Like it's starting to really take off. Each year the advertising is fantastic. Each year the all the players on the park, they're getting better and better. We had Del Piero come out. We had David, David Villa come out. You know, the marquee players were on point. And, and slowly but surely we're building the league um, at least that's what it looked like until about 2014-15. We became more digital and digitized in our uh, content consumption. The rise of Netflix occurred then and KO and, and that's sort of when Sport came around and they said, oh, look, we've got brand spanking new platform that's perfect for all channels. You know, it's a very omni-channel uh, way to consume football. So they, they came in and uh, with all their money and, and took the Premier League away. I don't think it's a hard one because I don't think Football Australia could have predicted that. Maybe they could have been on their toes a little bit more and say, oh, cool, if, if they've taken the, the Premier League, then, you know, we need to look at stats. Maybe maybe there was no data, data-driven data decisions in the fact that they they seen that, oh, I would love to be at Fox Sports and look at, at you know, the, the viewership rates from A-League to, to Premier League on their match day Saturdays. But in my mind, it would have doubled when the Premier League started. So if, they, if APL could have, APL, if Football Australia, if they could have looked at that, that data and maybe made a decision back then, Maybe we'd be, we'd be in a better position at the moment, maybe. But again, it would have been a hard one to, uh, to predict. You just got to be on your toes when, when things change, really. Everyone has a budget and you can't subscribe to everything. So then you have to be selective. So sometimes I can understand why people would choose one over the other. And unfortunately, if it's a competition the multi-million dollar organizations that run the English Premier League and those clubs they're going to have, I guess, the lion's share and 
unfortunately, in this situation, the A-League misses out quite often. It, it's a sad one because the Premier League, the Premier League's huge. It's it's a, it's its own empire and its own global right. So for the A-League to be sort of going from leveraging on the gargantuan Premier League to now being on its own to, you know, it's back in the trenches and really struggling and, and, and fighting its own way, it's, um, yeah, like, it, it, when you think about it from that perspective, no wonder, no wonder there's a decline. Is the Premier League helping? Probably not. It's a blessing and a curse because we love it so much, but also it's uh, a detriment to our own league. Uh, it's a hard one. It's a really hard one because we, we, we need to find that middle line. And then from a, from a marketing perspective, who are we targeting? Are we targeting football fans? Are we targeting, you know, are we targeting the, Austra- the average Australian consumer who probably doesn't even follow football? Do we target them? Do we target, and they're, they're following football, uh, sorry, not football, AFL and uh, rugby league. Do we have a strategy that, that targets them? Would that be more, be- more advantageous? Because in those, in the minds of those people, they're not thinking about the Premier League. They're thinking, oh, it's soccer. Like, I've, you know, I'm not really engaged with soccer. Will I give it a go? I don't know. Probably not. I've never really liked it. But can we change their mind? Maybe. Can we change their opinions? Their opinions? Maybe. And I know it's all been tried and tested before and maybe failed, but we need to look at it again. We need to look at, from a marketing perspective, who are we targeting? Why? If it's working, why is it working? Is it not working? Why is it not working? I think it's just a case of trial and error at the moment. And I think, you know, from what I've mentioned tonight with the whole leveraging on the Premier League, I think APL have... Uh, they've tried that this season with Keep Up. They, they brought in Keep Up to try and leverage on the international football scene uh, for the benefit of the A-League. Probably hasn't worked because, like I said, broadcast needs to be together. That's the real content. Keep Up's only really been um, scratching the surface of of that that strategy because it's only been doing news articles, uh, little, bits and, little bits and bobs of videos. You know, it's nothing really... It's not the, the core product that people actually want. We need to look at that, bring, broad, bring broadcast together. If it was all under the same umbrella keep up that might work john what is the solution is it is it that combining of the subscriptions is the the best solution for the game i think it's start i think it's definitely start i think the broadcast one is a big issue on top of that the league as a whole you know we need to advertise as well there's, there's got to be an advertising strategy not just a generic we'll put a few facebook ads up before the season and generally, it's they're only putting ads up one one week before a season, which is crazy. I don't want to step on toes with APL because I'm mates with a lot of them. But us clubs sometimes, you know, we we just we wonder. Sometimes we sit here and look at look at all these issues in in clubland and why APL not listening to us, or do they understand, or are they comprehending? Maybe they need to spend some time in the trenches and 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 fully get a grasp behind what fans are, are telling us. There needs to be in clubland, especially with all the clubs. They need, to, they need to have a clear strategy with engagement. I think engagement is a massive one in the A-League that we're not as good as the AFL in particular. NRL are just as are just as guilty uh, to not engage with their fans as we are, but somehow NRL still has a leg up over us. On top of that, um, if we can engage, if we can use our, say, our Roactive program for the, I'm talking Brisbane Rock specific here, really target those schools Schools are massive ones. Schools, it's not all about local clubs anymore. It's about school. It's about uh, hitting the other other sporting codes, rugby rugby union, rugby league, netball, swimming clubs, what have you, any sporting club. We need to be hitting those clubs, schools, in, in the ages of 8 to 12 because that's generally the age that we know that kids will become lifelong fans of a club. So if we can engage with them early on, um, help them have some fun playing some football, give them a little bit of merchandise, give them a scarf, give them a cap, even try and get some players out. A player appearance is massive because if a player can engage direct with a kid, 
they'll remember it for life, right? So, I mean, speaking from experience, we had Central Coast Mariners of all teams come to Mackay when I was playing there, um, when I was, I would have been 10 years old. And I met, it would have been Pedge Bowich and someone else. Might have been Wilkinson, actually. Um, and I juggled a ball with both of them. We had a juggle juggle contest at the time, which was a lot of fun. But it's just those little things that that little interaction kids remember for life. I nearly became a Central Coast Mariners fan after that, believe it or not, because I had a Central Coast Mariners poster on my wall <laughs> after that. I got signings from all the players. But, yeah, the Raw didn't come to the Mackay as much. But um, if they did, I missed them. But obviously I became a Raw fan later on. But if we can engage with the kids direct, with the players on top of that, get their data as well. Data into our CRM allows us to re-communicate to them later on, uh, give the parents ticketing offers, give them free access to games. Uh, if we can nurture them into a um, regular attendee, eventually they become a member. And that's that's the whole idea of engaging with them in the first place as they become members. Sean, thank you for the chat. We look forward to talking again. You too. Thanks, Stuart.